Welcome to the Let's Talk About Love, Sex, and Infidelity podcast with your host, Todd Krieger. Todd has over 35 years of experience working with thousands of couples as a licensed therapist in his private practice. Todd shares his insights on this show. It's never too early to divorce-proof your marriage or too late to heal yourselves and have the relationship you truly want. Everybody, this is Todd Krieger. Uh, glad to be with you today. And today I'm talking about balancing we and me, uh, compromise and individuality in couple decisions. That's a very important thing that comes up in all couples that I see is that well, I'm one person, my partner's one person, we come together, we play together. We make social decisions together, hopefully. We run a household together. Some of us bring up children together. Uh, there is a lot of uh, working things out. And since we're not the same, you know, we're not clones of each other, how do we deal with that? How can uh, couples find a balance between their own individual needs as well as the needs of their partner? And in terms of making joint decisions, when we may disagree, of course, when we 100% agree, that's never an issue. But oftentimes, that is not the case in real life. And so, and how can this balance uh, that we can do creatively uh, create more intimacy, more healthy intimacy? I mean, that is really what we're looking for here, right? A nice balance of healthy intimacy uh, between, and, and, and the only way it works, as, as we've learned, is when both people have a voice. I've been teaching this for years as a person who has specialized in helping people to have low sexual desire, oftentimes, not the only reason, but one of the factors of somebody having low sexual desire could be that they don't feel like they have a voice. Like it's not about my needs, it's about your needs. Oftentimes it's the women, but not always. And uh, I see this in all relationships, heterosexual, homosexual relationships too. If somebody is um, adapting too much to the other person, it actually can decrease their aliveness and their passion, their libido. So uh, when, when I have couples where there's a real inequity, and for this purpose, let's say there's a heterosexual couple and uh, the husband tends to, it's not always this way, but the husband tends to uh, be the comfortable one and the wife is doing whatever she can and making up for the fact that when he comes home from work, even though she works too, he puts on the TV and she's uh, dealing with all the kids and he helps out a little bit, but mostly it's about her. How's that going to affect the libido? Right? So... Uh, maybe the husband in this scenario says, yeah, but, you know, I work real hard. I mean, I have a need to stop. I have a need to rest. I can't just go from there to home and then back into work mode again. And the wife says, well, I'm in work mode. Actually, that's true whether she's a stay-at-home mom or works um, in the home or works out of the home, right? It's it's work. Stay-at-home moms, we, you know how much work it is. Sometimes it's harder than being in the office, nonstop. So the the wife in this scenario, in this example, might go, well, yeah, when you get home, I feel like you're the person that could take the load off me finally, and I have my needs. So how do we 
deal with my needs and your needs, right? So when we talk about my needs, your needs, how do we deal with that? And number two, we'll talk about decision-making. And that's what I want to do for this video. So that's not an unusual situation, right? A lot of times I say to the couple, well, look, you know, you're under-resourced. You just don't have enough hands. In this particular example, sometimes we say it takes a village to raise kids, and yet we have uh, very nuclear families where they are there to do everything. If they don't have parents nearby to help out or a nanny, which many people don't, it's challenging. And even if you do, it's still challenging. But uh, we're under-resourced. We may not have enough time, not enough energy, not enough money, whatever it is. And we tend to oftentimes uh, blame each other when the real issue is we're just under-resourced. So the first step in these situations, since I went to that example, kind of spontaneously, but it's such a common thing, is we need to call the problem for what it is. And it is that you're under-resourced. But you can't have one parent being so uncomfortable and the other person being just a little uncomfortable. You sort of like have to spread the discomfort a little more evenly between the two people. And, you know, we need to look at the, the particular situations of the day. If a person doesn't feel well, of course, maybe they're not going to be as able to contribute 50-50. But in a general sense, we need to share the discomfort. So that's the first step, you know, is that we tend to um, need to recognize that even if we're on the resource, so is our partner. But sometimes... If we can't come up with another creative solution, which we'll talk about in a minute, we got to push through it. Sometimes you got to push through it. And you don't do it with resentment. You do it with an understanding that your partner is as under-resourced as you. So yes, in those moments, I might give up my needs. I might give up my individuality so we could have a we. Because, man, you, you, need, you need your own individuality too. And we're both under-resourced. So I'm going to push through this here to help you out so we can both – be uncomfortable together, or we'll both be tired together. But you know what? When couples do this, there's a sense of support. Oftentimes, there's even an increase in energy because each person feels like they're in this together. And it can be very helpful, actually, in overcoming some of the exhaustion that happens in this kind of scenario. Now, the other thing, too, is when we define the, the problem as, why well, we're both on the resource and I can't just look at it as I have, I'm the only one, then it oftentimes motivates us to say, what can we do about it? And oftentimes there are options. We oftentimes, maybe we need to spend a little money on getting some help. Maybe we, we look at how we've constructed our lifestyle, uh, even with the kids, and we cut down on one activity if they already have five or six. You know, so that we're not so stretched all the time. We take a look at the big picture. We also can take a look at um, how we conduct our day, that we save some of our energy. We, we do, we could do like an energy and time budget so that I have energy to be cooperative with you and to meet your needs, and including intimacy needs. I, I had one couple of years, many years ago, where she was a therapist that worked basically Monday through. Thursday, three to eight. Uh, that's what she did. That was her schedule. He worked from eight to five. And uh, she would complain that by the time she got home and ate dinner at 8.30, he was just so wiped out and she was lonely. She missed intimacy. He just didn't have the energy. 
So what we did is because um, her, his job, um, what, what, well, okay. So what I did with him is I asked him to describe his day to me. And what he did was he said, well, here's my day. I shoot up from bed like a rocket and I take a piece of toast and I go to work. And that's not a very nutritious breakfast, no protein, nothing, right? Just a piece of toast, some carbohydrate, goes to work, goes to work. He's a supervisor, but he does, he's very bad at delegating. So he doesn't take, and he doesn't take a 10 minute break in the morning or a 10 minute break in the afternoon. He was working for a software company. Um, and he eats through lunch and he's again, not good delegating there either. So he's really just eating as he's working. He, he gets paid from eight to five, but he usually leaves at six, gets home at six thirty, and uh, eats dinner. And then by the time his wife gets home at eight thirty, he is wiped. So we had a look at, well, how do we balance out your needs, but also have some room for her needs? Okay, so how do you do that? What we did with him is I had him revise his whole day. Uh, first thing is he wasn't going to shoot out of his bed like a rocket, but to spend five minutes meditating. And I taught him how to do that, slowing down. He starts his day with that. He has to have some protein for breakfast. Not that I'm a nutritionist, that my daughter is. So, you know, but uh, actually that was before she was a nutritionist. I mean, I do some basic stuff to make me dangerous or actually hopefully helpful. And so um, he, he has some protein along with his toast. And he, I didn't push him to take his 10 minute break. I did help him learn how to delegate. We worked on delegating and letting go. Like if they don't do it as well as you for the first week or two or three, well, maybe by the fourth week, they're doing it almost as well. Oh, he's good enough. And you have less to do. I asked him during lunchtime to take only um, a 30 minute, to, like for 30 minutes, he had to stop and not work and eat, even though he had an hour for lunch, do his 30 minutes. Then the other 30 minutes he could work. Okay, I was trying to be, you know, I'm not going to try to push him too much, but he needed to stop for 30 minutes. Didn't worry about his 10 minute afternoon break either, but he needed to continue delegating. And um, three days a week, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, he had to get, he had to be done at five and leave at five. I didn't care if he worked till 10 on Tuesday and Friday. Uh, he didn't, but he could, as far as I was concerned, because he could stay as late as he wanted as a supervisor. But on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, he had to leave at five. So he leaves at 5, gets home at 5.30, has a light snack, just a snack, and then takes a small nap. I worked for him. Got up. Wife gets home at 8.30 after seeing clients from 3 to 8. He's got energy. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget um, her coming into session one day and say, we're having sex a lot now. I <laughs> mean, She really enjoyed it, and he enjoyed it. So that's just an example of him paying attention, is being mindful for uh, what I need to do to save energy for her. I can't give it all to work. Plus, he'll have to learn how to reduce his stress and delegate and all that stuff. So that's just an example of maybe thinking about how I could be there for her. And it was mostly about dinner and connecting as well as intimacy before they went to sleep. And that really worked just great. So... We, we need to realize that we get in a relationship, sure, we have individual needs, um, but so does our partner. And we got to meet our, the needs of our partner the best we can. 
we've got to think in terms of two if it's going to work. You can't think in terms of one. At the same time, you got to think in terms of you too. You have to be selfish. That's a good word in my vocabulary. Self-absorbed is a bad word, but selfish is a good word. You need to be selfish, but you need to be partner-ish. You think of yourself and your partner. It's not an either-or thing. So when you map out your day, you map out your weekend, sometimes have couples huddle on a Thursday night or a Friday night to think about their weekend. How can we do this mine, yours, and ours? We need to do that. It's impossible for your partner to be happy when you're not paying attention to your partner's needs. And it's it's impossible for your partner to be happy when you're not paying enough attention to your own needs because you'll burn out. You'll be resentful. So it's also hard to be empathetic when you're constantly resentful. So we need to do it all. And we need to do it the best way we can. And, you know, in the case of the couple that's co-parenting, let's say, uh, they need to be willing to ask for help and not be a nuclear family all the time if there's a way to do it. And usually there is some way they can do it. Even if it takes a little time to prepare to have somebody to come in and help, it's worth it. So I did want to mention about decision-making as well. The decision-making is oftentimes we disagree with each other. So how do we do this? How do I be thinking about me, healthy selfishness, and think about you? And that's basically not that hard to do. You, you, you think about both. You think about both. You might not want to. You need to come from your healthy adult self. The childlike parts of us might only think of us. Or if we grew up in a family where we're constantly pleasing others to get a connection, to get approval, then we can automatically not think of us and constantly be codependent and think of the other person. So we've got to look at what our tendency is. Do I tend to think of me pretty easily? and don't think enough of my partner? Do I tend to think of my partner and others as well and not think enough of me? And we got to kind of assess that, you know, and so that when we're making decisions, we got to think about what do I want? What do I feel? And every situation might be different. There are times when the person who tends to think of themselves, maybe there's times they should be selfish about things. The person who thinks of the other, maybe there's times they should yield to the other person. But we want to make it a choice, not an automatic habit. One little uh, suggestion, a little exercise I've had people do is think about if if both people want, let's say to go to a restaurant, but one wants to go to one restaurant, one wants to go to the other, Simple exercises on a scale of one to ten. One is you'd like to go to a restaurant, but it's not that important. You ten is you really, really, really want to go to that restaurant. Um, and yeah, you know, maybe one person's a five and one person's an eight. You go with the eight. You know, on a five, I'd like to go to the restaurant. I really would like it. And the other person, well, eight. And they have to be honest about it. Obviously, if you both tens, you got a problem, but you got to figure it out. Then you incorporate. Well, you know. Who's been going, you know, how long have we been going to the restaurant? You want more than me. I mean, there are ways to to make those decisions because that's a simple decision of going to the restaurant. Of course, there's big decisions. You know, where are we going? Do we see our, my, your, your parents and my parents over Christmas break? Now, that's a little tougher. I have a couple I'm working with now. One wants to move really badly and one wants to stay really badly. We got to work on that, you know, but 
they they can't they can't be fighting each other. They got to go. Wow, I know this is hard for you, and uh, what's going to they're going to make this decision. And I think what's going to help them is when they both take into consideration the other person, and they're not just fighting for what they want, like a power struggle. They're saying what I want's important to me, and what you want's important to you, and let me try to understand why it's important to you. And you start to get a little deeper, and it opens up possibilities of resolution. So uh, that's what I wanted to say. It's important to think of ourselves. It's important to think of the other person. We need to think about what the other person needs, ask the person what they need, do our best to meet their needs, uh, and ask for what we want. And when it comes to decision-making, again, balancing out what I want and what you want. And it's really very possible. And for many couples, as they work through these challenging conflicts, they get closer, they get deeper, they get an appreciation for each other because they're cultivating the patience and understanding, which I talked about in the previous uh, talk, to realize you're different than me and I need to accept detours. Can't just automatically get what I want. There are detours to be getting what I want because I am with another person and I can have the benefit of having a nurturing, mutually nurturing relationship with you, but only if I think of you and me, not you or me, you and me. So that's what I wanted to say about this. Hope this is helpful. This is Todd Krieger, making the world safe for love. That's it for today's episode of Let's Talk About Love, Sex, and Infidelity podcast with your host, Todd Krieger. For free resources and materials, head over to toddkrieger.com. Loved this episode? Head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you.